0: Welcome, listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Um, it's the month of September. We're releasing a little a few more podcasts than we usually do about every two days, but there's so many people with so many wonderful stories to tell. We're trying to uh, make sure that all the stories that we can share are being shared. People ask what you can do to support this podcast, and it's really just you know, support the people that come on the podcast, listen to their stories. They're the real heroes of the podcast. You can't donate. But the things you can do is share the podcast with people and also um, give a rating on the podcast at iTunes. Um, You can give it a one to five star and you can also, and perhaps more importantly, write a written review. You can also support um, our book, Listen, Learn, and Love Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints by leaving a review at Desert Book and also at Amazon. So. That's my housekeeping announcement for one minute. I'd like to introduce my guest, Jacob Schramm. Welcome to the podcast, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Tell our listeners how to spell your very cool spelling of your name.
1: (laughs) All right, so Jacob is J-A-K-O-B, because we wanted to honor the German heritage, be unique. Uh, And then Schramm is a last name uh, that comes from Germany as well, S-C-H-R-A-M-M, like mother, mother.
0: That's great. So So. we're recording this on a Sunday, and... It's a beautiful day here in Salt Lake City. And I'll give you a little background on Jacob so you're, you know, know kind of at least on a top-line level his story, and then we'll kind of turn it over to him to share his story. Jacob grew up um, first in Clinton and then Bluffdale. He is 23. He's a return missionary from the Monterey, Mexico West mission. He has spent some time at the University of Utah. He's currently at UVU studying in mechanical engineering. He is a gay Latter-day Saint. And like many of my guests at Jacob's age, he doesn't know completely how his story is going to finish. Some of my guests are kind of the finish line, and they they're able to kind of look back and say, "This is my story." But I think it's okay to have someone like Jacob on the podcast that doesn't quite know how his story is going to end, and that would be his relationship with the church, and just actually how the church is going to work out in his future, and and his exact path forward as a gay Latter Day Saint. Right now, Jacob is dating men. And is sort of working on his relationship with the church and figuring it out. It's kind of an on and off. And um, I'm trying to just share as many stories as possible because I think it helps all of us better understand um, LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And if you're trying to figure out your way, maybe there'll be some things that Jacob shares that will be helpful to you. Or if you're a parent or a local leader, some insights that come to you as you're trying to better minister and meet the needs of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Is that okay for an introduction, Jacob?
1: That's a great introduction.
0: Um, we're going to kind of talk um, just these roughly these... Um, Jacob came home on his mission in August of 2017. That's roughly four years ago. Um, he did not come out before his mission. It, this is something that is just... He made his journey further along in his life. He became more aware of his sexual orientation, perhaps on his mission and after his mission. So we're going to kind of spend the hour talking about these four years. I think like most people, this could be a four hour podcast talking about just four years. Mm-hmm. Cause these have been a pretty, probably a pretty intense and crazy four years, but this is where we'll focus. So, um, t- take us, just tell us the story of coming to terms with your sexual orientation.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Um, and yeah, intense and crazy four years. That is an understatement. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, yeah, very standard LDS upbringing. Um, yeah, my mom has been Relief Society President twice, You know, Pioneer Ancestry, everything else. So very much um, the church is a part of who I am. So deciding to go on a mission, I don't even know if I could say I decided. It was just what you did. Um, and being the oldest of five kids, uh, being the oldest of all my cousins on one side of the family, and among the oldest on the other side, there's just a lot of pressure to you know, set a good example. Um, so I, you know, I just went on a mission. That's just what you do. Um, while I was out, I had started feeling a lot of symptoms of depression. Uh, you know, I'd get like a pit in my stomach. Uh, I would not ever want to do the things that I used to want to do. I like the world in many ways kind of started feeling very black and white. Uh, like all the color had been drained out and I wasn't really sure what was going on. Like, I just wasn't enjoying my time out there. And I don't know if that's even necessarily accurate because, you know, I met a lot of great people. I learned a lot of great things, uh, had a lot of great experiences, but just overall, I don't know. It wasn't the romanticized best two years of your life sort of thing that it was, um, that, you know, it's been portrayed as being what it, you know, quote unquote should be. Um, So I ended up Uh, becoming suicidal while while I was out, um, not really knowing why, not really knowing what was going on in the back of my head. Um, And after a suicide attempt, I was sent home early after nine months out in the field. Um, And that kind of started my journey of, you know, maybe this whole path of, you know, I go to church every Sunday and do all the things you're supposed to, go on the mission, get home, get married, you know, just this life plan that I had set out it kind of threw a wrench into things. Uh, it was kind of the first time where I'd really realized that, oh, life is actually hard. There are, are hard things that happen. Uh, things don't go according to plan all the time. Um, while I was out, one of the things that I had to come to terms with uh, was my sexuality. Uh, I was, I don't know if sheltered is exactly the right word, um, but I was just very much in kind of a bubble growing up. Um, The first time I even knew that gay people existed was during uh, 2008 with the Proposition 8 fight in California, um, which from the church perspective, you know, did not exactly paint the best picture of gay people. Um, So I just had never really realized that, Oh, this is the thing I might be experiencing. Um, It was really after I had a crush on one of my companions while I was out uh, that was, uh, what I describe as the, you know, the two by four head upside the head. Like, no, come on, really, this is a thing. <laughs> you can't keep uh, hiding from this. Um, and I, it took a while to come to terms with it. Uh, it took probably about a year and a half. You know, I came home August 2017, as you said. Um, a lot of introspection in figuring out you know, just all the mental health struggles i had had before. I still don't know exactly what had caused any of that. Um, it most of that just kind of went away after I came home from my mission. So I really don't know where any of that came from. Um, but yeah, I took about that year and a half to sort that and my sexuality out. Um, before I'd kind of come out to myself that, okay, maybe this, maybe this is a thing, you know, I of course use the term same sex attraction. Um, So, yeah, that was, um, yeah, maybe the same sex attraction thing, maybe it's really a thing that I have to deal with. You know, it isn't just some weird fluke or weird phase that I have to work over. Um, And I was pretty lost. I had no idea what to do to start dealing with that. Um, I didn't know any gay people growing up. Um, I did have one friend come out as transgender right before I left. And uh, that was. There were a lot of rifts caused, uh, I think, our mutual friend groups and family groups, because it was mostly friends of family. um, We didn't really know how to handle it. And so there were a lot of bridges that were burned, unfortunately. um, And then I did have one other friend come out as gay while I was out. um, And he has, you know, since left the church. And both of them are, you know, it it definitely shook the relationships that we had before. So, you know, where those are the only examples of LGBTQ people that I knew. Uh, yeah, I was definitely very lost. It was a, I don't want to, you know, leave the church and leave my family and go off and, you know, do the club scene or anything else. You know, that's not my that's not my thing. I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, I really didn't have any examples of LGBTQ people who were in the church, you know, setting a good example, quote unquote. Uh, so I really didn't know what to do, uh, but I had uh, an impression that I needed to talk to. I just needed to talk to somebody about this. Um, One of my cousins was visiting from out of state. He was attending. It was just me and him and my YSA ward. And during the sacrament, I just kind of leaned over and I just said, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I'm going to get done with this. Um, And we had a bit of a drive after because I was up in Riverton. He was going to visit uh, some family in Highland. So we had a little bit of a drive. Uh, And while we were there, I just kind of broke down and just said, Hey, this is, I'm struggling with this. Um, yeah, you know, I came home from my mission early. This is kind of what I think is going on. And it was the hardest thing in the world for me to say, I think I have same sex attraction. Um, and his response was wonderful. Uh, it was very much, a. I, I was fearing kind of a, Oh no, that's disgusting. You know, how dare you, you know, why, why are you, what is this sin? No, no, this is a problem. We need to get rid of it kind of a thing. And no, he was very much a, well, you know, I still love you and I still care about you. you know, okay, this is, this is tough, but you know, okay, we'll figure something out. It'll be okay. You know. I know you're a good guy. So um, yeah, that was definitely what I needed. I was sobbing for a long time after. Um, over the next six months, I had, I think just coming out to someone kind of helped me to put a name to what I was facing and in many ways brought it up in the end the forefront you know before it was just this back of the mind hidden in the fog there's something wrong I don't know what it is but now okay now it's here I'm looking at it now I can at least do something about it what that is I don't know yet but I can do something about it um so yeah over the next six months I had kind of
2: I guess, process the idea of, yeah,
1: okay, this is a thing. I have it, now I need to do something about it. Um, At this point in time, I did also tell one of my YSA bishops, um, but I ended up moving into another ward probably less than a month later. So we didn't really get too much of a chance to talk about it. And I honestly don't remember very much of those interactions. Um, I had moved up into an apartment with some friends starting my second year at the U. And I remember moving in, let's see, this would have been, would have been May of 2019. Yeah, it was a little over six months after I came out uh, to my cousin. Um, I kind of thought, okay, well, now I'm going to be living with a bunch of guys. You know, is this going to be a problem? Um, you know, one of my good friends is going to be my roommate. You know, is this, this is going to make things weird, right? You know, that I got to do something about this. Um, I wasn't quite ready to like set any of them down and say, okay, guys, you know, I have same sex attraction. I wasn't really quite sure how to do it. Um, I have always thought of myself as being like the opposite of Nephi where I'm much more mighty unto writing than I am unto speaking. Uh, So I just decided, okay, I just need to like write a letter. So I just sat down, spent probably a good couple of days um, just writing out. Uh, You know, first I told them, hey, you know, I've, had, I've had a past of mental health struggles. I may need help with that sometime. Uh, I just need, uh, if I, I may need someone to talk to about things every now and then. And then I just kind of slipped in a paragraph. Oh, by the way, I'm gay, but don't worry. You know, I'm going to stay in the church. I'm going to find a way to make this work. I'm going to marry a woman in the the temple. Uh, you know, I'm, it's not going to be a problem. Don't worry. Um, but you know, if anything gets really weird or you're uncomfortable with that, let me know and we can work something out. And it was just kind of a slip in at the end. Um, and they actually, they reacted really well to it. Um, you know, it took a little bit for everybody to kind of process that, but, you know, everybody was fine with it and there wasn't wasn't anything weird that was going to happen. Uh, it was, Oh, okay. Well, we still care about you. You know, we're here to talk. Um, one of my roommates in particular, uh, we ended up getting very close. Um, and you know, not romantically or anything, you know, he's, He he actually just got married himself uh, about a month ago now, Um, but we ended up being able to connect. Uh, He ended up being someone that I could just talk to if I had a hard time. Uh, You know, he also had come home early from his mission for mental health struggles, so we were able to kind of relate a lot. He knew, in many ways, what I was going through, even though you know he isn't gay. uh, We could still kind of relate to, oh yeah, this life thing is hard. Mental health struggles are real. Um, So yeah, I'm still very grateful for. How he was able to uh, kind of be there for me in many ways. Um, over the next maybe almost a year, um, as I was figuring out, okay, how do I you know treat this quote unquote? Um, I had discovered, um, I discovered North Star. I had discovered. Uh, Discovered many podcasts, including ours. Richard, <laughs> you're one of the first I discovered. Um, I basically just kind of went to town on, okay, I need to know where this same sex attraction thing comes from, um, and I my thought at the time was uh, so that I can reverse engineer it and make it go away, and.
0: You're a mechanical still, engineer. Yes, that would be no, a very logical This thing. <laughs> is how
1: I work. Yes. I'm very yeah analytical, logical. Uh, I did the same thing with mental health, by the way, after I came home, um, part of my process of kind of coming to terms with things is uh, I, what I ended up doing is, well, I describe it as like, I, I ended up getting a minor in psychology, an unofficial minor in psychology. I just went down the rabbit hole. I figured out, you know, what clinical depression is, what causes it, uh, what bipolar disorder is, what the different types of bipolar disorder are. Um, so this is just how I work. It's, uh, I just got to know everything that there is to know about how stuff works if I'm to figure it out, and it's got to be in very just analytical, scientific, hard terms.
0: You're in a you're in the right major for where <laughs> how your mind's wired. I Well yeah, done, Jacob. <laughs> I
1: would I would yeah I would agree. I've yeah it fits. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd spent yeah probably the next year, year and a half, um, just digging into. Uh, yeah, what causes homosexuality? Um, I heard a lot of stories of mixed orientation marriages. I thought, okay, this is something that I can probably do. You know, I'll, that's my goal. Uh, I will, you know, get temple married, and it'll all work out. Um, this is where I learned. Okay, you know, I if I start dating someone, yeah, probably won't be a first date thing. But you know, before things get really super serious, or if marriage ever comes up, you know, I will have to come out to her and be like, okay, yep, just so you know all the cards on the table. This is what we're going to have to deal with in this marriage. Are you still okay with that? You know, I'm confident we can work through that, but just so you know, this is what we're going to have to deal with. Um, even got to the point where I thought, well, okay, maybe I just find like some like-minded lesbian in the church and we can just get married in the temple and it'll just be a sexless marriage and we'll just be best friends and we'll adopt all our kids. And maybe we say that, Oh, yep. You know, we're not having our own kids because uh, medical problems or something, you know, we'll just come up with an excuse and it'll just be, we'll just have that, Stereotypical temple, uh, temple married Mormon family, and it'll all be good, and we'll work through it. Um, also, through this time, as I was researching more, I would start coming out to more and more friends. Um, it would be every two, three, four weeks. I just kind of get an impression of somebody that I knew, and just kind of the thought that, yep, it's time that they knew. Um, so, yeah, I just reach out to somebody and be like, hey, you know, can I talk to you about something? Um, there was somewhere it was we'd go out to lunch and I'd tell him after we kind of caught up, uh, I had sent a few emails to people. Uh, there was just a phone call a couple of times. Um, and I was very pleasantly surprised by how everybody took it. You know, we're all still friends. <laughs> um, even one of my, even my best friend who I emailed while he was out on his mission. Um, it was definitely a little bit hard just because he was definitely in this, you know, the missionary mindset of, okay, you know, this is right. And this is wrong. And okay, what, you know, if you're going to be going down this path, you know, this is wrong. So you just got to make sure we're doing the right thing. Um, like that was probably even the most negative response I had out of my friends, which was very pleasantly surprising to me. Um, and even since then he's come around a lot more on, and he's supportive of where I'm going. And um, so yeah, as far as coming out, like those are all very good experiences. um, I started seeing a therapist at LDS Family Services, um, and I basically came in with the goal of, I need to fix this, quote unquote. You know, I need to, I need to get rid of this. I need to, you know, get to the point where I can have a healthy heterosexual marriage. Um, and I was kind of surprised because this therapist kept talking about, you know, maybe you just need to accept this part of yourself. You know, this is going to be something you're going to deal with, um, probably for the rest of your life we are not even sure if this can go away, but regardless, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time. You know, this isn't just something you can just do even. Um, and I thought, well, no, you're supposed to fix this. This this isn't how this works. Um, and yeah, I just ended up not clicking with this one therapist. So I went and saw another one. Um, and he was kind of weird. Uh, his thought was, I'll be graphic. I'll just, you know, I'll just put this out here. Uh, it was okay. If you're, you know, you're going to masturbate or look at porn, you know, um, obviously we don't want to do that, but if you are, you know, at least try to look at straight porn or, you know, try to at least think of a woman while you're doing that. Um, no, that's not how this works. That's kind of weird. I don't want to do that either. So I saw another therapist. Um, I ended up
2: going through, let's see, um,
1: by the time I got to my fourth therapist, um, he was very much, um, okay, you know, every, the way everybody looks at the sexual orientation thing, you know, we're looking at it all wrong. Um, you know, I've got this way and it was never very clear what this way was. Um, but, you know, okay, we have this way to, you know, teach you opposite sex attraction. You know, you if you can just accept that, okay, the, you know, the same sex attraction is going to be around, you know, that's okay, but you're not going to act on it. You know, like when you get married, you're only supposed to, quote unquote, act on it with that one person you married, so it won't it won't matter anyway. Um, and yeah, kind of with him is when things started shifting from, okay, I, you know i'm I'm gay now, but my goal is to be straight. It changed from, okay, well, maybe I just become bisexual. Maybe I just learn how to be attracted to women, and then I can make that work. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just be married with the one woman, and that'll be that. you know, it won't matter. Um, after a while, that kind of started seeming to become a little less possible as well. Um, The everything that was, that I was trying to do um, in what I can look back now and probably call soft conversion therapy. You know, it wasn't like the electroshock therapy or anything else that was done back in the day, but um, yeah, definitely same deal, but more psychological instead of physical. Um, Yeah, it wasn't working. (laughs) I wasn't any more attracted to women than when I started. Uh, If anything, I had, probably gotten even more nervous and anxious around the prospect of dating. Um, I had tried to ask a few girls out from my ward uh, and that never really ended up working out like any, and that was the few times I managed to be able to try. Uh, Anytime I thought about dating, I just, it felt like everything was just kind of locking up and I just physically, physically couldn't, there was this mental block. Um, I kind of felt like, um, you know, if you've seen the Disney movie inside out, you know, where there's. The, the little people inside of your brain controlling things that kind of felt like, you know, me, the one who's in charge inside of this body got tied up and thrown in the back of the closet and just everything just kind of locked up or, you know, or, or, you know, I'm, you know, pushing buttons and levers and everything else and just nothing's happening. Um, so I yeah, just, for whatever reason, I just couldn't, there was a lot of anxiety around dating and um, which made it very hard. Uh, coming to terms with that, I got, I, received a few accusations of, well, you just didn't try hard enough. You didn't date enough women. Um, and that was very hard to deal with thinking, well, I I tried, you know, I, I, I couldn't do it, but it's because I couldn't do it. And, but yeah. And after a while, yeah, the goal changed from, okay, I'll turn myself straight to I'll turn myself bisexual. Uh, eventually got to the point of, you know, maybe I just, maybe I will be gay. um, but I just need to find one woman, you know, one woman I can fall in love with and make it work out. Um, I called it gay plus one. It was, I can even just make that work because again, if I get married, I'm only supposed to have sex with that one person anyway, so it doesn't matter. So I just need to find the one. Um, And just as time went on, even that I didn't think I could do. I was still very much attracted to men and not at all to women and Sorry, ladies, I'm sure you're great. It's just, it was, it's not on the cards for me. And um, it was also about this time. Um, yeah, I, I, everything really kind of started shifting. Um, I had grown more comfortable with labeling myself as gay as opposed to having same-sex attraction. Um, I had come out to maybe around 30 people at this time. Uh, I still had not come out to, well, let's see, when did I come out to parents? ah, oh, this is why I should have written things down before I came here. I have a, I have a timeline. Um, let's see. I, I did come out to my parents August 2019. So as I was kind of coming out to other people, um, this was actually when I was starting therapy. They hooked me up with one of the therapists I saw. Um, I felt like, well, unlike with everybody else that I had come out to, I had an impression that, okay, it's time to tell someone. With my parents, I wanted to tell them because it felt like, well, they're my parents, they deserve to know. I never felt that impression of, it's time to talk to them. Um, I just, I came out to them because it felt like I had to, you know, it was my duty as their son that they know about this horrible, deep, dark secret of mine. Um, and I also regret feeling like I couldn't write them a letter like I had for a lot of other people. Um, I felt like for whatever reason they deserved to hear it in person. Um,
2: and I, yeah, it was, it was very hard
1: uh, on everybody. They, I, I want to be fair to them, <laughs> but they, I don't, they didn't take it super well. Um, yeah, it was very much a, oh, well, you know, this is because you were masturbating too much as a teenager. You know, this is, you know, rewired your brain and everything else. Um, and, okay, well, we're going to see a therapist. We're going to fix this. Um, you know, just really have to make sure you don't act on this. Um, yeah, very much a, oh, no, this is a horrible problem. Let's not let it get out. Let's fix this so we can go back to the image of what, you know, what they wanted for their family. Uh, yeah, just the vision of everybody's temple married and has lots of kids. And um, so I thought, yeah, we need to hurry up and do damage control so we can, so we can still make that happen. Um, and to this day, it's still the only coming out experience that I regret. Um, I don't know if I just, you know, one or both of us just wasn't ready, uh, or if, you know, if I had come out over letter or something so that we could just have those initial reactions, not hurt each other. Uh, I, I don't know how I would have gone about that better, but that was definitely something that, you know, I still regret today. Um, so, um, And yeah, I went through the several months of therapy. I got to the point where it was becoming more and more clear that a mixed orientation marriage was just not going to work. Um, I had heard maybe just one too many stories of uh, you know gay men who had married women, you know, even if they were very open about it, and okay, you know, we're going to try to make this work. And it just not working, and then you know, fifteen years into it, four kids later, they end up divorcing, and you know, of course that's very hard on everybody. And I, yeah, I really feel for everybody who is in that position who's trying to make that work. Um, I just didn't think it would be fair for me to ask so much of somebody, uh, to that wouldn't be fair for my future wife to marry someone and, you know, be stuck with someone essentially who wasn't attracted to her or who had to work a great deal in order to have that attraction. I thought, no, she deserves someone who naturally falls in love with her. Um, and I had also seen probably about that time early, early 2020, um, when I was kind of coming to this realization, uh, I had three sets of aunts and uncles who were in various stages of divorce. Um, there was another friend of mine who had divorced a few years later, a few years earlier, um, their parents. And it was, it's just a mess. (laughs) That divorce is a mess. And I thought, okay, yeah, especially for the kids, I don't want to put them through that. So I just thought it's just not worth the risk for me. I'm, I really, am not confident that I can make that work out. Um, and that sent me into probably an even worse depression than I was in when I was on my mission. Um, I got to the point where I thought, well, okay, if I can't, you know, make the marriage work, then what else am I supposed to do? You know, I had done everything else that I was supposed to up until that point. I got baptized. I got the priesthood. I went on a mission. I got my endowments. You know, I got all of the things that I'm supposed to do. The only thing left really, quote unquote, is the marriage, the ceiling and the temple. And then the rest of my life is just supposed to be me raising my kids helping raise my grandkids, you know, just being there for the family, but okay, if I'm not going to have a family, well, what am I supposed to do? Um, I had also had been, I don't know if I believed this idea, but I definitely heard it about, I don't even remember where exactly, but I just heard this idea of, oh, that's okay. You know, you'll be fixed in the next life. Um, yeah. This is just a thing that you have to deal with while we're on earth. And you know, in the next life, it'll be okay, it'll be made right. And I thought, well, okay, if I've got nothing else left to live for, you know, if I don't have a family to take care of here, why do I have to just sit on my hands for 80 years waiting to die so that I can be fixed and move on? Why not speed things up? Because I can't be alone for 80 years. I'm too much of a helpless romantic to just be alone for that long. Um, Originally, in my hierarchy of plans you know my first thought was okay i'll try to make the mixed orientation marriage work if i can't then i'll just be alone and you know the the dating man marrying a man you know that path wasn't really so much on the table even for me uh, but in those times i had not decided that that was what i was going to do but i at least put it on the table uh, just because mixed orientation marriage was not going to work for me being alone was not going to work for me so i had to have something
2: um i yeah, that depression was very hard to break out of. Um, I think I developed a bit of an eating disorder as
1: well. Um, I basically just stopped feeding myself. Uh, I would deliberately stay up late, you know, not doing anything. You know, I can't, I, I can't concentrate on homework or anything else. You know, I just, just stay up and I don't even know why I, again, I don't even know what was going on in my head. Again, it was, it felt like terrorists had hijacked the inside of my head and had tied me up and thrown me in the back of the closet. We're doing things and I, there's, I'm just trying to look under the crack in the door, you know, just seeing what was going on and being able to do nothing about it. Um, I ended up losing a really good job that I had and that didn't help. Um, a little something happened in March, 2020. (laughs) I'll probably know about, uh, yeah. Corona hit and then the lockdowns, um, everybody got stuck inside. That was not very good for me either. Um, and yeah, it was really only, yeah, this roommate I had gotten close to, he had noticed that I was not doing so great and he ended up talking to me. And again, I don't even remember what was said. Um, but it, it was nice just to be able to unload some of my concerns on somebody understood and he was kind of able to help me out of that um in that time i had moved back in with family you know, and all, all of us as roommates you know all our classes were online so you know, we just thought well, well we don't know how long this is going to last you know maybe the apocalypse will start now we don't know uh, you know at least our parents have toilet paper you know so it's, uh, we all moved back in um i spent pretty much the entire month of april with my family um which it was nice to be around family but at the same time since I had already been living on my own for about a year at this point, it had felt like I had, I was backtracking in many ways. Um, you know, I had already emotionally moved out. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you get this where like if you're on vacation, you know, it's great to be on vacation, but after a while, just not sleeping in your own bed, there's something exhausting about that. Um, so it was kind of what that was. It felt like in some ways, a vacation, you know, great. I get to visit my family, but there was just one other thing that was making me exhausted.
2: Um, and it,
1: I got to the point, this would have been the last Friday in April, 2020. So whatever that day was, um, I got to the point where I had realized that I was as suicidal as I was and that it
2: was a problem. Um, I had
1: opened up a little bit to my therapist about it a little bit earlier and something he said that, you know, you this was kind of the conversion therapist therapist. Uh, so it was even more impactful coming from him um, where what he told me was, I think God and your family, uh, you know, everybody around you, me, we would much rather you, we would much rather see you gay and alive than straight and dead. And that had a powerful impact on me thinking that, you know, maybe this option that was on the table, maybe it's not actually that bad. Um, wouldn't be the end of the world if it comes to that, you know, I won't be like my, oh, well, failed plan F because everything else, you know, fell through. Um, by this time, I'd also done enough research to know that, yeah, okay, this homosexuality thing, you know, this isn't something that you develop from you know masturbation addiction you know it isn't something that you develop by seeing gay people on TV and then uh or you know whatever else it you know it's definitely not a choice i knew it was not a choice i did everything i can to try to unchoose that um and i had kind of come to the conclusion at this point that maybe everything i had been taught about this was not right uh, maybe this is one of those things like um I had come to see the the race restriction on the priesthood and temple in kind of the same way where it was just informed by the very unchristian bigotry of that time. And okay, maybe this is the same thing where it's just cultural influences and maybe God is really trying to tell us, hey, no, this is okay. Um, at the end of the day, I kind of, yeah, it was this Friday. I felt like I had kind of been back into a corner where it was, it feels like this is the only choice left is for me to date, men. Um, and I kind of had a bit of a Joseph Smith moment where I thought, well, okay, I'll just try to go straight to the source and, you know,
2: see what God thinks about it. Um, sorry, <laughs> um, yeah, it was late at night and I
1: had just been thinking about that and I, I decided to pray then and, um. Uh, what followed is still probably the most powerful spiritual experience
2: I've ever had. Where God told me that everything was going to be okay, that he loved me. Sorry. (laughs) He knew I had done everything I could. And then it was okay.
1: I was reminded of how our righteous desires will be taken into account, uh, with the atonement, uh, you know, at judgment day, you know, it's, this was, he knew I was trying to do everything that I could
2: to do what was right. Um, but that dating men, you know, that was okay because that was fulfilling the measure of my creation. Um, I, And yeah, again, that, was a, that took a lot of weight off my shoulders and feeling like, okay, well, if God says it's okay, then
1: I guess that's what I'm doing. Um, so I ended up moving out not long after. I ended up moving back into my apartment after it was clear that, okay, the end of the world wasn't maybe quiet yet. Uh, it's okay to move back in. and <laughs> keep going to school. Um, I wasn't really sure where to start. Um, I yeah. So this is yeah, end of April, 2020. I took a couple of months. Um, I was, I had started to reconnect with some friends from, uh, the Salt Lake Institute choir, which I was in my entire time at the U. And I will have to say their <laughs> my time at, at in choir got me through some very, very dark times. Um, those people are amazing. Uh, Marshall McDonald who directs the choir is an amazing guy. Um, while I was there, I actually ended up writing a hymn, which I've submitted for the new church hymn book, uh, just about the very personal take upon our, uh, take upon himself, the pains and afflictions uh, portion of the atonement, which I feel like is kind of a underutilized concept in in our hymns, at least. So yeah, so I kind of did that under his direction. So yeah, a lot of great people there. Um, There were a couple of people who had come out. Uh, There were some who were, you know, there's one who is gay and who is dedicated to being celibate. There is another who is gay and who is dating men. You know, there are a couple others where I know they're gay. I don't really know what they're doing, but you know, there's, and everybody just loves everybody. So if anybody happens to be in the Salt Lake area, wants to join a choir um, and still have that connection to faith, I yeah, very highly recommend. They're probably one of the best church experiences I've ever had was Salt Lake Institute choir. Um, and actually, when I ended up moving away from the U, like that was actually the hardest part of it. Was not that I was leaving the U, it was that I was leaving the Salt Lake Choir. It's a choir, and um, yeah. So I ended up reconnecting with some old friends from there. Um, I ended up reaching out to one of the one of the other tenors I had met, um, who I knew was dating guys, and I just said, hey, you know, I want. I I, I think I put it as, um, you know, can we just can I just talk about this? You know, I just want to reconnect and catch up with all my choir friends. Um, and it pretty much ended up turning into a date. Um, it was one of the most exciting, exhilarating, and I think healing experiences I've had in a while. Um, I was an absolute awkward mess. and <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Um, yeah, it was very good to uh, kind of help get me used to the idea and you know, give me a lot of tips and tricks on, okay, you know, here are red flags you got to look out for. Uh, you know, this, these are things that you can do. You know, this is something maybe you should, you know, look into exploring, you know, this is how to, you know, stay safe, everything else. So I, I call him my gay guru, uh, <laughs> introduced me to everything. Yeah, it was really great. Um, so yeah, he was kind of the first guy I dated for a few months. Uh, and I thought, okay, now I understand why there are so many love songs on the radio. I understand why, why people talk about romance so much, you know, why it's always, a thing in movies or anything else. You know, before it was just kind of a, I don't really care. Why is this a thing? Why is everybody obsessed with sex all the time? And my kind of Pharisaical Puritan, not realizing that I was also a helpless romantic kind of person. Um, yeah. I realized why that was such a big deal. That was a, it was a very positive feeling experience for me. Um, we ended up not dating for too long. It was just a few months, but he had kind of given me enough to go off of, uh, you know, taught me how to navigate Tinder so I started dating um after a few months October 2020 is when I met my first boyfriend um and we were kind of you know on the same boat trying to figure out the church thing um but also actively dating um and that was a wonderful experience um I ended up bringing him over for dinner uh with my family which was very nerve-wracking uh, this is I kind of just decided to do it. It was a few days before Christmas and I wasn't even out to all my siblings yet. So this was a, <laughs> it was a very, like, I wish I had kind of handled that differently. I don't know how it, differently, but uh, it was very much a crash course. And okay, so uh, I'm going to be bringing somebody over um, that I am dating. And also this person is a guy, You know, it just, I, I really didn't handle that too well. It kind of broke my poor then eight-year-old sister's brain a little bit. <laughs> I did not really know how to handle that. Um, but it was, it was nice. Um, there wasn't any, any disowning, uh, disowning going on. So that was, that was good. Um, yeah, first new year's kiss, you know, it was, it, yeah, just all these wonderful experiences. Um, that ended up ending because we ended up going in different directions with the church. Um, that was kind of hard to take. Uh, it was, that's when I really first started getting kind of mad at the church. Uh, for a while it was, okay, well, maybe the prophets are wrong about just this one thing, but that's okay. You know, I've got personal revelation. I can work this out. But I kind of started to see how more and more it seemed like the institution of the church was getting in the way of everything. Um, And at this point in time, I had also shifted some of my research from, okay, where does the gay thing come from? You know, what are all the stories of people uh, who are navigating this? And I started shifting it to... uh, well, if the prophets are wrong about this, you know, what else are they wrong about? Uh, so that's when I dove into, you know, all of the anti-Mormon literature. Uh, and that definitely hurts. Um, I was kind of angry for a bit. Um, I had stopped going to church for a while. Um, and the fact that it was still COVID and nobody was really going to the student wards, it was just kind of a complicated mess that kind of made it a little bit easier. Um, yeah, I was mad at the church for a long time. Um, I was in various
2: stages of of removing my records.
1: You know, I had printed out the documentation, and I thought, no, okay, maybe I'll maybe it'll be okay. Maybe I can still make this work out. And then I'd leave it for a few days, and then you know something would happen, and I'd get angry again. I thought, no, I can't be. I can't even be part of this. Uh, you know, this is so hurtful towards me, towards other LGBTQ people. You know this caused a lot of hurt and trauma I don't even feel comfortable associating myself with this um so you know then I'd go fill out the paperwork uh and then I'd leave it for a few days and then I'd get angry again and yeah uh, actually the, the Elder Holland's talk from a couple weeks ago now that was what got me to uh, get it notarized and get it submitted <laughs> um, because I thought yep Elder Holland has declared war on me uh, I can't be part of this anymore I'm gonna have to find something else um is what it felt like. I did end up being able to go into the website and retract it because they hadn't had a chance to look over it yet. Uh, so technically, I am still, I'm still a member. Uh, I actually still have my temple recommend too. Um, I haven't used it at all, and but you know, I still have it because I haven't talked to my bishop where I live now about anything. I, I so I don't. know. He doesn't know anything. Um, yeah. So I, I'm still figuring out the okay what do I do with the church um yeah and I am still dating I you know I am single now so you know if anyone wants to send in their boyfriend applications you know you can hit me up on Facebook or something I guess (laughs) I've been yeah so yeah that was a bit uh mostly brought us up to present And yeah there are a bunch of things that kind of happened in between little side details but yeah how does how does that work all that rambling half an hour later
0: you did a great job Jacob and I love it when our guests just tell their story and you went, that was just great. And, you know, listeners, every story is different and I'm trying to just let everybody share their stories. And one of the principles that another podcast guest shared is don't take your story and make it your story. But I think it's okay to listen to everybody's story Mm -hmm. as you're trying to get um, an idea of what the best path forward for you is. and. I invite, if I were your YSA Bishop Jacob, I'd invite you to stay in the church. Um, But I'd also invite you to self-determine your best path forward. And I'd just say, I'll walk with you. I'll support you. This is complicated, especially for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And I will just, you know, walk with you. This is what I'd say if I were your parent or your friend. And just um, honor your feelings about what is your best path forward. And just recognize this is so complicated. And the God I believe in will just continue to love you and support you. And any worries I have about your eternal salvation or your standing, I'm just going to leave it at the Savior's feet Mm -hmm. and his perfect understanding and just love you and support you. And that's that's not for Jacob listeners as much as just listeners. How do I navigate this as a committed Latter-day Saint um, who believes deeply in the church but is willing to sort of hear other stories of just people that are having different experiences. And um, I just honor everything you feel and everything you felt. I've learned to validate pain, even if I don't feel the same pain. I mean, if I haven't come to the same conclusions, my reaction maybe 10 years ago would be give you a checklist of things you need to do to come to (laughs) my conclusions for you. But Mm -hmm. listeners, I've just come to the terms where I'm just honoring people. On their individual journeys and i'll walk with you and i'll support you and probably my biggest goal if i were your friend is to continue to keep get connected with god i love that experience you had with god and that deeply personal revelation about you being in that really dark moment i think it's a credit you turn to god and you got that experience and i'd probably invite you to continue to stay connected with god because the god i believe in loves you jacob And I think he just, I don't, I think he really loves you. And I think he's the only one that fully understands the complexities. I love your insights in the atonement. Um, I just, listeners, it's kind of, if you think about this, you've got a young man here that's just about resigned from the church. It's also got a church hymn (laughs) submitted to the church. and This is just the reality of the complicated nature of the space. It's not binary. It's just complicated that you love the atonement so much, Jacob. That you wrote a song. Yeah. But you felt pain at times that you felt you need to separate yourself from the church. And to me, that just illustrates the paradox that some LGBTQ Latter day Saints are in. And so my heart just kind of opens up for you and just wants to just support you the best way I can and just trust you. I love that you were understanding the atonement. You know, Ben Chilotti said, At first I thought the atonement made me straight, but now it healed my broken heart. Yeah, I love that quote because um, I think it's what you're writing about is the atonement. I do believe that Christ ascended below all things and somehow he understands this about you and can help you. And um, I love, I'm going to turn it back to you. We still got about 10 or 12 minutes, but I wrote down some of the things that your cousin said uh, and your roommates just because they were so simple. And it's just good for us to Think about how we would respond if somebody came out. So your cousin said, you're still a good guy. Mm-hmm. What a simple thing to say. <laughs> yeah. um, your roommate says, I, we still care about you, and I'm here to talk. That's just, you know, I love all the experiences you've had with your peer group that you've shared that have been positive, And your courage to talk to them. And then they can sort of get on your road and support you. They probably aren't going to ask you who you're dating, at least girls. And you don't have to hide this part about yourself. It's so hard. I love that you, the quote listeners I use to help me understand why some get to where Jacobin is this quote from Brene Brown, not belonging um, or physiological isolation is the most terrifying and destructive feeling a person can experience. It's not the same as being alone. It's a, feeling one that, it's a feeling that one is locked out of the possibility of human connection and powerless to change the situation. In the extreme, this isolation can lead to a sense of hopelessness and desperation. People will do almost anything to escape the combination of condemned isolation and powerlessness. So what do we do? We embrace, we value, empathize. And we help people know they belong with us. But that quote, because I can't get in your space firsthand, is done more to help me understand, you know, the space you were in. And I love that you, you know, it's better to be gay and alive than straight and dead. I love some of the things that just helped you get through that moment. And you've helped other people get through the moment. I hope so. Um, So... There's a side of me that would invite you to find a way to stay in the church or find a, but there's a side of me that just would honor you in the best path you feel forward and, and that my love for you and I'm not, you know I'm not your family or your or your a close friend or a priest leader, but I'd want you to know my love for you is not conditional on just how you make your path forward, so that I'm just going to support you and realize that the complexities of your life are different than mine. And th- continue to thank you for all the good you're doing in our world that you did in our church as a missionary, getting through nine months and all you've done. I love your mind and your willingness to hit this head on and learn all you could about being gay and about mental health. I think God has blessed you with this incredible mind and this wonderful heart and all these Christ like attributes that I think you have a great life ahead of you, Jacob. And I just trust you and I'm. I'm glad you're alive and I'm glad you're 23 right now, not 33 having this conversation or 43 and that you've been able to get to the place where you are right now. So you make the rest of your life possible. And I love that you give grace to people that are choosing other paths as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Um, I think you did where you said some that works and some this works and some Mm -hmm. that works. And I think that's a point of grace where you're saying i recognize there's other paths out there that others have taken but this is just what i feel is my best path forward i love that you had a um a mentor when you first started dating men (laughs) yeah if you call a mentor because that you know moms reach out to me and say my kids are same-sex dating and i'm worried about them and i think that can be if it's your first time dating at 20 whatever instead of 16 um and you're feeling those feelings that, you know, 16 year olds are first time kind of navigating and you're feeling them all at once. So I loved some of the responsible things I sense that your buddy shared with you. And, and you don't need to share those on the podcast, but I think that's just a pragmatic thing that if you're starting to go down that path, um, you need to be pretty thoughtful about deciding how to do that path before you go down that path, because it can get out, out of control is the right word or. I like the way you use red flags or some of the things to avoid or perhaps predators in that space. that would take advantage of a younger, vulnerable person that needs validation and needs support. So that's a complicated space, and we won't get into that, but just the realities of life. life. Um, so anyway, that's kind of my two cents on everything you've said, but I just trust you, Jacob. You've got a tough road. I love the Institute Choir. I love listeners where we find ways for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints to feel like they belong. Fitting in is assessing a situation to becoming something you need to be. Belonging doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who you are. And I sense that you felt a real feeling of belonging that Institute Choir. I definitely did. And I think that's on us as Latter-day Saints. What can we do to create a feeling of belonging for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints? Um. And it's on us to sort of create that space. And we can do that within our doctrine. Some would say our doctrine needs to change to do that, but there's so much we can do within our current doctrine just to do better and make sure that every message Jacob hears at church about LGBTQ latter Saints is positive and affirming. We're not pointing to them at this as a sign of the last days or, or people coming out as a bad thing. It's a great thing because people are able to be authentic and then we can love them for who they are. So I've gone off a little long. (laughs) I'll turn (laughs) it back to you, Jacob, for any final thoughts. Yeah. um, I actually
1: like how you said that, you know, you you trust me. It reminds me of, uh, if I can share one more positive coming out experience. Uh, When I was coming out to my grandparents, um, this was probably a little after I decided to start dating, but, you know, I'd still kind of been coming out here and there. Um, And I was kind of scared, you know, because it seemed... it. It seems like, you know, painting with a very, very broad brush, uh, LGBTQ acceptance seems to be a generational thing. Um, and, you know, my grandparents are very much in the church. You know, my grandpa at the time was bishop uh, for like the third time, I think. Uh, you know, very, very conservative. Um, you know, love him and everything, but it was, I was definitely scared to see how they'd react to that. You know, their oldest grandson, you know, not setting a good example for the grandkids. You know, so I was definitely kind of concerned about that but i felt like it was time and um yeah they they said a lot of great things um there was i think my grandma said you know we know you're a good kid and you know something that my that my cousin had also said "You you know we trust you to do what's right you know just stick close to the spirit everything will work out you know we know you're doing the right thing so yeah we know it's a tough road so yeah we'll just trust you um they even said that um you know, if you do ever want to bring anybody over to a family function or whatever else, you know, he'll be part of the family. We'll welcome him in, and that was huge. I thought, wow, okay, um, yeah. So that was that was definitely a yeah, that was a very positive experience,
0: and
1: I have a good relationship with them. I'm grateful for that.
0: So, and I think they didn't have to sell out any of their beliefs or their doctrine to do that. They're just saying we're keeping the family circle together. Mm-hmm. The Macintosh book, Tom Christofferson book really teaches that. I love that, that we preserve the family relationship. We keep the family circle together. And that is our doctrine. <laughs> we don't have to yeah. sell out our doctrine to welcome your boyfriend to a family function. Um, so I love what your grandparents said. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, Jacob? Mm.
1: It's probably going to be one of those things where as I'm walking out the door, getting my car, I'll be like, Oh, I forgot these other 10 things that that's honest. (laughs) Um, let's see. Yeah. Right now it's mostly, um, yeah. My relationship with my friends are great. You know, they're, I've been very grateful to how well they've reacted and accepted this. Um, so I, yeah, if I had to, you know, you know who you are. (laughs) Um, yeah, I've even had one who's, uh, couple years younger than me, but he's you know keeps trying to set up double dates with, you know, okay, you know, I'll go invite a girl out. You know, you can you can bring somebody along, you know, we'll just do a double date and it'll be great. Um I had one friend who at first was, you know, a little bit hesitant with me dating guys. And then uh after he kind of got to see me change, you know, as I did start doing that, uh yeah, he ended up talking to me one time and he said, yeah, this is, you know, you're a much different person but it's a good thing you know you're a lot happier you're a lot more confident um i can tell that this is this is a good thing for you um so yeah i'll i used to be very uh, very hesitant about this but no I'll, I'll fully support you and you know this is a good thing i'm glad you're happy <laughs> so um yeah so it's been it's been wonderful yeah it's still working out uh relationship with my parents it's yeah i i don't know And I'm trying to extend a lot of grace to them as well. I think mostly it's just, you know, they were raised in a time when, you know, they're raised in the Spencer W. Kimball, you know, Elder Packer era, you know, this is, this is, you know, degeneracy and everything else, you know, all the things that used to be said that I would hope are not being said anymore. Um, and then just not really knowing how to navigate this, like not knowing what to do or say. So I'm trying to extend grace there, but it's still a relationship I'm working on. Um, and yeah, with God, in many ways, this kind of gray space, even with my faith, um, where in many ways it feels like I'm kind of doing things solo. Um, it's definitely a lot harder, but I think it's worth it because I have, it's just me and God. It's just a direct con- connection with God now. Um, I I don't know, maybe some may be offended with this characterization. I don't know. But in many ways, it feels like I've kind of cut out the middleman where the church definitely in my early life helped me to develop a relationship with God after a while, felt like it was getting in the way. Uh, so as I'm trying to reconfigure that relationship, figure out if it's one I can keep, or if I just need to approach it at a different angle. Um, regardless, I would still essentially choose this path that I've gone down because it's resulted in a much more personal one-on-one connection with God. Um, so yeah, this is, and again, this story is still not over. It, you know, I'm only 23. I've got a lot of years left in me, I hope. Um, so yeah, I don't know where this is going to end up, but I'm so glad it's been going the way it has, because as hard as it is, I feel like I've come out on the other side better. Uh, I've developed more Christ-like attributes. Empathy was something I was not very <laughs> good at at all, and I, I hope I'm good at now. So yeah, I know, that was a random lightning round of random comments to close out with. so it's
0: good. Yep. Uh, I think you've done a great job of going slow. Some sort of recognize their sexual orientation isn't straight and go pretty fast. And sometimes there's messages in society, you go pretty fast. I think you've done a remarkable job of trying to, I think it's your mechanical engineering brain and your personal revelation that has said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. I'm going to figure out all my options. I'm going to explore all my options. You've gone to therapy. You've listened to a lot of people, heard a lot of stories. I think you've done a really good job of going slow, even with your relationship with the church. Um, I think you're honest where you are, but I think you've gone slow enough that you just continue to know how best to navigate your spirituality. And I just trust you. Um, There's no owner's manual. There's no, you you know, there's no sort of this is how you do this. But in some ways, you've sort of shown the owner's manual because you've just done all the research you can. You've talked to people. You've received personal revelation. And that to me is pretty help, pretty good formula. And you've been brave enough to involve people in your life. And I love your friends and I love the way they're just supporting you. And they see the change in you for good. And they're glad for that. And they recognize where you were. So Jacob, you're a good man. Um, It takes a lot of courage to do what you've done, to just spend an hour on your personal story and you know, no, it'll help a lot of people. You've done things that I think help bring us together and bring more understanding. Um, I, and so I just trust you, and you have a great life ahead of you. I sometimes think of older selves—if you're 33 year old self or your 28 year old self or your—I think those older selves will point back to this period of time in your life and recognize the hard work you've done to be able to make the rest of your life possible with your Mm -hmm. career, with your emotional health, with your spiritual journey, with your best path forward. And you've done this in a period of time where I think it just makes the rest of your life possible. So I think you're going to be okay. (laughs) And so this is Jacob. I'm going to say your last name right. Schwam. Schram. Schram. I knew I messed it up. It's right in front of me. Schram. S-C-H-R-A-M-M. My,
1: if you thought, I mean, None of these sounds are in Spanish, pretty much. Like trying to on, right, on your Mexico. Yeah, in Mexico. That was oh, that was fun. So yeah, don't worry. I have heard far worse <laughs> but, yeah. And yeah.
0: if you're not a regular listener and you're hearing Jacob's podcast, I wrote a book. It's a desert book on Amazon called Listen, Learn and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter Day Saints. And one of the sections is trying to dispel all the myths of why someone isn't straight. And I had certainly gone down this road in the 80s and 90s, you know, as I was learning about this space and trying to help people in this space and sort of the things I heard. And then I just gradually did a hard drive reset and just kind of wiped all those away and started from scratch and have tried to just find the latest things the church is saying, which are different than the things the church used to say. And it's important to be aware of what the latest things the church is, is saying. And um, other stories of people that just share that, no, that's not why I feel this way. That actually didn't happen in my life. And you've heard of a lot of explanations. And I think my conclusion is, is just, is just how Heavenly Father intends people to be created. I have blue eyes and I'm right-handed. And I think we just, all this beautiful diversity is part of the needed human family to bring us together. And um, it's, diversity is good. And so how I believe you're created, Jacob, is a good thing. It makes your life harder, but I think it makes your life possible and your ability to help others. And I know I'm talking more than I thought of but I think of that missionary that came home early. Mm -hmm. And I just think you'll continue to be a safe place for people that just go through harder things. You're the wounded healer I talk about. You'll help other LGBTQ people, but you'll help a lot of people beyond that circle. You just know how to help people. That have gone through difficult things you'll get it and you'll be able to go there and kind of give them the hope they need to walk them out of the desert because you've been in some brutal deserts and i think that's one of the things your older self would talk about if he could talk now is just this painful journey you've been on allows you to help people in a really wonderful way so that is richard Osler and jacob signing off from another episode of listen learn and love